And today I'm going to talk to you in this next message in the series on prayer. Today I want to talk to you about how to pray for others. And it's something I know we all struggle with, how to pray for others, exactly what to say, how to approach it, how to approach them. But I want to talk to you about how to pray for others in a message that I'm titling, Praying on Assignment. And we're going to start in the book of Matthew. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 37. That's going to be our text for today. That's where we're going to start. But you can go ahead and turn there and get ready as we get ready to dive in. But before we read this text, I just want to take a moment and pray as we talk about prayer today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, I pray that your spirit be present with us in our homes. Wherever we're watching this service, I pray that your spirit be present with us, Lord. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would anoint me, that the words that I speak would be your words and not my own. Lord, I pray that I would decrease so that you can increase and have your way. Prepare our hearts to receive your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 37, I hope that you're there. And it says this, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It says that when Jesus saw the crowd, when he saw them, and that's the first thing I want to encourage you with today is to see people, see them how Jesus sees them. If you're going to pray for other people, if you're going to pray on assignment, you need to see people the way that Jesus sees them because the very next part, it says he was moved with compassion. And if we don't see people the way that Jesus sees people, we will not be moved with compassion when we see people hurting and helpless. It says that Jesus looked on this crowd and he saw them as harassed and helpless. In other words, they were being attacked. They were being berated. They were being beat down. They were being oppressed from all angles, from all sides, and they were helpless to do anything about it. And that moved Jesus to compassion. And church, I want to encourage you, and I know I'm diving right in today, but I want to encourage you that when you look at the world around you, when you see people who are trapped in sin and they're trapped in bondage and they're trapped in relationships and situations that they don't want to be in, I want to challenge you instead of belittling them, instead of saying, how could they dare do that? I want to challenge you to be moved with compassion, the way that Jesus was moved with compassion. And that will help you as you pray for other people. That will help you as you pray on assignment. We need to be moved with compassion. And look, compassion isn't just an, oh, I feel so sorry for them. No, compassion is something that stirs you to action. See, if you have, if you you try, if you say you have compassion, but there's no action, what you really have is pity. All right. And we're not told to have pity on people. We're told to be moved with compassion like Jesus was moved with compassion. Compassion requires action. Sometimes that action is you stepping in and doing something. Sometimes that action is you going to this first response that we know is prayer. As it says that Jesus was moved with compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. And church, this is where we find ourselves today in praying on assignment, that we need to pray 
earnestly. And that means to pray with vigor, to pray with fervor, to not just throw up some easy peasy little words, but to, to pray. And when we talked about that mnemonic acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, remember I told you that word supplication means to plead. And what he's saying right here in pray earnestly is supplication. It's to plead, it's to be desperate on their behalf, to stand in the gap for them. There are some prayer principles that we can really pull out of this. And here's something I want you to to notice. Back in verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He had compassion for them. Here's what I want you to get from this. Oftentimes, we are great at praying against people, but not so good at praying for people. Did you catch what I said there? We are great at praying against people, but we're not so good at praying for people. My wife and I joke around with these things. We call them Old Testament prayers, where you have someone in your life that you don't quite care for, and maybe they're going through a situation, or maybe they're, you, they're your situation, and you're bothered by them, right? And so they come into your life, and they're doing things that you don't like, and we're great at praying against them. We're not so good at praying for them. And we need to get to a place where we can pray for them because praying against them, those Old Testament prayers that Rashida and I joke about, Lord, smite them where they stand. Father, don't let them rise up against me. Lord, I pray that you knock them down. You know, all the donkey jaw bones and bears coming out of the woods, devouring people, all that stuff we read about in the Old Testament that happened when people messed with the people of God. We're good at praying those things against people. But how do you pray for people? How do you pray for people that aren't lovable? How do you pray for people that are difficult? How do you pray for people that you just don't like, don't care for, or anything like that? How do you pray for people who have hurt you? It says that Jesus was moved with compassion, and that's why compassion is key, because if we're going to pray for people instead of against people, we need to have compassion for them and realize that a lot of what they do is coming from a place of being harassed and helpless because they're sheep without a shepherd. So we need to have compassion and pray for people. Most of us are good at praying against people, not so good at praying for people. And so today's message, talking about praying for people, what we're really talking about is what's known as intercession or intercessory prayer. And that word intercession or intercessory prayer literally means to stand in the gap. It means to stand in the gap for someone. And when we do that, oftentimes we don't know exactly what words we need to say. So here's something that I want you to write down. I want you to remember this as you're standing in the gap for other people, as you are interceding on their behalf. I want you to remember this statement. Pray God's will by praying God's word. Let me repeat that. Pray God's will by praying God's word. And this is what praying on assignment is all about. It's about aligning your heart with God's heart so that you pray his will by praying his word in other people's lives because they're harassed and helpless and you're interceding for them. You're standing in the gap for them. And maybe their situation is that they are too broken to pray for themselves. Maybe they are too hopeless. Maybe they feel powerless. Maybe whatever's going on in their life is harassing them so much that they don't feel the hope or the grace or the strength or the mercy that they need to pray for themselves. So you find yourself in a position, and I, and I know as I'm talking, you're thinking about somebody right now. You find yourself in a position where you need to stand in the gap on their behalf. You need to in- intercede on their behalf. And so what we are doing when we do that is we are inserting ourselves into their spiritual battle, and we are fighting spiritually for them. 
Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. I'm going to turn there quickly. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be on your screen. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not. Our battles are against rulers of wickedness, rulers of darkness, the authorities, the prince of the power to air. Our battle against, is against Satan and his minions, his demons, the enemy, whatever you want to call them. That's where our battle is focused. And that's why prayer is so important. Oftentimes we go through life and, and if we were in Jesus' position where we saw this crowd, where we saw them and they were harassed and helpless, oftentimes we would take the, the stance. We would take the posture of, mm, look at them. And like the disciples in, in one situation, they asked Jesus, they were like, should we call down hellfire and brimstone to destroy these people? And Jesus is like, no, what's wrong with you, right? But oftentimes our stance is, look at them. How could they think that way? How could they live that way? How could they believe that way? Don't they know what they are doing? That's not Jesus' position. Jesus' position with other people is that he wants to have compassion on them. Jesus' position with other people, those who are hopeless, those who are harassed, those who are sheep without a shepherd, is that he wants to be their good shepherd. He wants to guide them to life in him. He wants them to come to a place of wholeness, of completeness that they will only find in him. And it's important for us that we intercede on their behalf, that we pray for them, that we insert ourselves into their spiritual battle, and that we pray God's will by praying God's word in their lives. This is why prayer is so important, because if you remember from week one, I told you that prayer is intentional. That's because our prayers are powerful and our prayers should have purpose and we should pray strategically because those prayers have power. When I talk about interceding, when I talk about standing in the gap, I want you to close your eyes for a moment and picture something. All right. We're fighting this spiritual battle on their behalf. This battle is fought on a spiritual front. You can't see it, but you know that it's happening. And when you intercede, when you have someone in your life who's suffering, someone that you know that's going through something, someone that you know that's not saved, but you feel the call to pray for them, that God would draw them to himself. When you intercede, what you are doing is you're going before the very throne of God, the throne of grace that we have access to through Jesus Christ. You are going to this throne to find mercy to help them in a time of need. So you need to pray God's will by praying his word. And I know in week one, I told you that you don't have to heap up all these hefty words or all these scriptures. You don't have to memorize all this scripture and stuff. But here is a situation. Here is a case when you are interceding on someone's behalf where you may have to do a little bit of work. Because if you're going to pray God's will by praying his word, you need to know what his word says. But here's what I want you to picture is yourself standing before the very throne of God and you are being like Jesus. You are interceding for someone else. Hebrews tells us that Jesus daily makes intercession for us. This is what he does. He's our high priest. And you join him in this battle on other people's behalf when you go to the very throne of God with your prayers. And you say, Lord, I'm coming to you on behalf of my brother or my sister in Christ. Remember Galatians 6, 2 says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He's talking about that when someone is tempted or when they're pulled away by temptation, we bear their burdens by praying for them and by going to them and seeking to restore them. We're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
You have the power, you have the access, you have the authority through Jesus Christ to go to the very throne room of God and to pray on someone else's behalf. You can intercede for them. You can plead for them. When you have your time of supplication, you can say, God, I am here for them. And you can be like Jesus, moved with compassion because he saw people like harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so he said, pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into his harvest, but pray earnestly. But like I said a second ago, praying on assignment may require some work of you. See, this is a situation where if someone is going through something in their life and you decide that you're going to take on this role of praying on their behalf, you need to know what God's word says about what they are going through. So when you choose to pray on assignment, what you're really saying is that I am committing to not just pray for you, but I'm committing to see what God's will is for you. I'm committing to see what his word says about what you're doing, what you're going through, what you're facing, so that I can pray strategically that my prayers can have purpose because I know that my prayers have power. I know that when I pray, God listens, that I am in the very throne room of God, that my prayers are going before him, that they're rising like Uh, incense before him and that he hears my prayers. I know this. So I want to make sure that I pray strategically. And that's what you're committing to when you commit to pray for someone else. But how you do that, first, let me draw a line of separation here. I know that for some of us, we want to pray over each and every prayer request that we see. So for instance, you're scrolling down your Facebook page and you see that some person who's number 1,742 on your friend list has something going on in their life. You don't actually know this person, but they have something going on in their life. And because you're a good Christian, you want to post, hey, I'm praying for you. And I'm not telling you to not do that. I think it's good, especially if that other person is a believer. I think it's good that we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But here's what I've started doing. I will pray for that person right there in that moment. So if I read their post and I say, oh man, they're facing a difficult time, I will stop and I will just pray something like this. I'll say, Lord, I pray that your will be done in their situation. And Father, whatever your will may be, I pray that you give them the grace and the strength and the mercy that they need to endure it. Father, I pray that you use this test as a testimony that you show yourself strong in their life and that you make them into a witness for you. Glorify yourself in their situation, Lord. And, then I, and I remind the Lord, you've promised to never leave them nor forsake them if they are his child. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll just say a quick prayer like that. And sometimes I'll post, hey, prayed for you, or I won't post anything at all. It's okay to do that. But that's not what we're really talking about when we talk about intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer or praying on assignment is you've been tasked with the assignment to pray specifically and strategically for another person. That person may be someone in your family. It may be a coworker, someone that you know, but someone that you have intimate knowledge of that you are interceding on their behalf. All right. That's what we're really talking about today. And sometimes you should pray for that person in secret, right? Sometimes you should pray for them and they don't even need to know that you're praying for them right there in that moment. Maybe they're not ready to receive that. Maybe they don't know God and they, and they don't understand all this religious stuff. And so you're not ready to have that conversation with them. But there will come a time when you can have that conversation. And as God starts working things out in their life, you can go to them and say, guess what? I've been praying on your behalf. 
I've been going to God for you and asking God to work this out according to his will and his plan. And I've been praying his word over your life. So I'm so glad to see this work out. And it may open a door of opportunity for you to share the gospel with them, right? Because the goal of all of this is to guide people to life in Christ. So when you intercede on someone's behalf, that should be your primary prayer. No matter what their situation looks like, no matter how dire it is, you should always pray, God, bring them to yourself. If this person is not a believer, Lord of the harvest, send laborers into this harvest field because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Lord, you can even use me as a laborer in this harvest field. Send me to reach this person with the gospel, God, so that you can draw them to yourself. I don't care if they lose their job. I don't care if they lose their house. Those are things we can fix. But what I don't want them to lose is the opportunity to have a relationship with you. That is of primary importance. Anything else we can help with, anything else we can work on together, but they need to have a relationship with you. And that only comes by the power of your Holy Spirit, convicting them of their sin, showing them the need for a savior. And Jesus, you said, if you be lifted up, you'll draw all men to yourself. So draw them to yourself through this situation. If that person is a believer and I just pray something like, Lord, you have promised to never leave them nor forsake them so that I pray that your strength is perfected in their weakness. I pray that you give them grace and mercy to endure what they're going through, Father. And I pray that your will above all else be done on earth as it is in heaven, like Jesus prayed in the Lord's prayer. So when we go to intercede for someone, we are committing to pray God's will by praying God's word on their behalf. But I wanted to draw that line of distinction. I wanted to draw that line of distinction between truly interceding for someone and praying the prayers that we see on Facebook or through text message every day. And if you're a person who, when you're praying for someone, you have struggle or you have a struggle approaching them, that's okay. That may be God's way of saying, you know what? I don't need you to approach them right now. One thing I would encourage you, though, as you pray for other people is this, and, and hear me clearly on this. Pray God's will be done in their life. And here's why I'm repeating that. Sometimes what God's will is in this moment isn't what you think it should be, right? We see people going through difficult times and our hearts cry out for them. And so we want God to fix the problem. We want God to heal their child. We want God to heal their marriage. We want God to save their job, whatever the case may be. But pray God's will be done, even if his will is something that you don't agree with in that moment, because because the situation that they're facing may be the very thing that God wants to use to draw them to himself. And you don't want to find yourself praying against that, right? You don't want to find yourself interceding, but praying against what God's will is. Now, you're always safe praying God's word. Because God's word again said, hey, Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. So he told us to pray, Lord of the harvest, send laborers into that harvest. So no matter what they're facing, you are safe praying, Lord of the harvest, send laborers into that harvest to plant seeds, to water seeds so that you can bring the increase in their lives, so that you can show yourself strong in their life and that they can come to a knowledge of you because of this situation. You're always good praying God's word and that God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. So if that person is a believer, you are always good praying God be present with them. Remember, Pastor Brian talked about the prayer of Jabez and he said, Lord, go with me, be with me. God's presence. You're always good praying for God's presence in someone's life, interceding on their behalf. God be with them. Don't let them walk this journey alone. God be with them. And you can pray that prayer 
for them, no matter what they're facing. And you can pray God's will by praying his word. Praying on assignment is about being intentional, y'all. It's about being strategic. And I know that some of us are facing some situations that we hate. I know some of us have kids who aren't walking with Jesus and we're interceding on their behalf. And we need to pray that prayer diligently, Lord of the harvest and laborers into your harvest field. I pray diligently over my, my older kids who don't know Christ. God, send laborers across their path. Let people into their life, Lord, that are going to teach them about you, Father. And if they're facing anything, anything at all that you can use in their life to draw them to yourself, Lord, I pray that you would use it, that you would show yourself strong in their lives, Father, and that you would draw them to you. You said it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life, Father. So I pray, Lord, that you bring them to that point according to your will, not in my timing, not based on my preference, Father, but based on your timing, your will, and your preference. And I trust you, Lord, because you're sovereign. And you can pray things like that over those children who are rebellious, who are running from God, because we read in the story of the prodigal son, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we realize, hey, it's time to run to the father. And so that thing that they are facing in their life may be the situation that they need to go through so that they realize their need for a savior. It may be the very thing that God uses to convict them, to show them how desperate and depraved they are without him, and that he uses to draw them to himself. Maybe you have a family member who who is sick and they're battling something horrible like cancer or something else. And I'm not saying that God put cancer on them, but what I am saying is that God can use that situation to show himself strong, to draw them to himself. So your primary prayer should be, Lord, draw them to you. Send laborers into that harvest field. Because if they gain health, if they beat cancer, but they don't have eternal life with you, then it's all pointless, Father. Hell is a far worse place than cancer will ever be, right? And so we have to pray strategically, God, work in these situations. Use me as an intercessor to pray for them that they would come to know you, Father. That should be our primary prayer for each and every person that we know. If they're not a Christian, Lord, draw them to yourself. Send laborers into that harvest field. And if they are a Christian, Father, strengthen them, be with them, give them your presence. You promise to never leave them nor forsake them. Walk this journey with them, Lord, and let your will be done. Now, God has challenged me recently, and this message has been a little bit of a struggle for me um, because throughout my years of counseling and all that stuff, I've had people ask me to pray for some some pretty crazy things like, hey, Pastor Jay, will you pray that I get a new spouse? And I'm like, wait a minute, aren't you married? Like, why would I pray that you get a new spouse? You already have a spouse, right? You want to get rid of your spouse so that you can find a new spouse that may be a godly spouse. But scripture says that, hey, ladies, they may be won by your demeanor, by, your, by how you act, by your character, by how you love God. They may be won by that. So my real prayer should be, for you to be a godly wife, or my real prayer should be for you to be a godly husband so that that person can be guided to life in Christ by you, not that God would get rid of them for you so that you can then get another spouse who may already be godly. We got to be strategic when we pray, right? I've had people say, hey, Pastor Jay, can you pray for me to, uh, for my finances? My finances aren't very good. And I'm like, haven't you quit three jobs in the last six months? Like, I don't know. Maybe we should pray for your work ethic. Maybe we should pray, you know, for, for you to actually keep a job and not quit all the time because that may fix your finances. Or, hey, Pastor Jay, and I prayed this prayer myself. I'm guilty. Hey, Pastor Jay, can you, can you pray for my health? And I'm like, I just saw you eat a whole large pizza and a bucket of chicken 
by yourself. Like, let's pray for self-control, right? Let's pray that God would give you a spirit of self-control so that you don't eat that way, and then maybe your health will start to improve as we pray God's word over your life. And I know those things sound funny. I know they sound ridiculous, but I'm throwing them out there because God has really challenged me with how I pray for other people. He's challenged me with it. I've been studying the New Testament this year because I knew that for Pastor Brian and I stepping into this role as as lead pastors, as senior pastors, I knew one of the things that was going to have to change in my life was how I pray. And so I've been trying to study, God, how how do your leaders pray? How did Paul pray? How did Peter pray? How did Jesus pray? And there's some very specific things that I saw them pray in Scripture for other people about unity, that we would all walk and unity. And Paul prayed all the time for his people to grow in their faith, that they would have spiritual maturity. He wasn't praying for their jobs and their, and their income and their marriages, because I think Paul understood that if they grow in their faith, if they grow in spiritual maturity, some of those other things will work themselves out. So I've been challenged in how I pray for you guys, that I pray for your spiritual maturity, pray for you to grow in your faith, pray for you to walk faithfully with God and pray for you to serve him and for his presence to be present, like Pastor Brian said, for his presence to be present in your life. But God has really challenged me with this message. And there's two questions I felt like the Lord laid on my heart that I'm going to share with you now. But before you do this first one, I want to remind you of this. Pray for wisdom and discernment over this first one, because again, And it'll make more sense when I tell you what the question is. But you don't want to interrupt a situation that God is using to draw them to himself, right? And so the first question that I felt like God challenged me with when when I get prayer requests from people or when when I see a need like Jesus saw the crowd, when I see a need, the first question that God challenged me with is, what can you do? What can you do? And so what I felt like the challenge was, is like, hypothetically, if, if someone in our church submits a prayer request that says, hey, um, we need prayer because our finances are tight and we don't know how we're going to be able to make our rent or our mortgage this month. Uh, before I pray for that, um, let me look and see what I can do. Maybe I can help you make your rent or your mortgage. Remember, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let me see if I can pay that electric bill for you. Let me see if I can run to the grocery store and get some groceries for you and be the hands and feet of Jesus and make sure that when I deliver that to you, I'm not saying look at the goodness or the greatness of Jay. I'm saying, hey, God has blessed me. God has expanded my territory so that I can be a blessing to you. This is from God. This is not from me because every good and perfect gift comes down from him. So that as I deliver that to you, as I hand that over to you, you know that God hears you. He's heard your prayer and that he sent me as a laborer uh, to deliver something to you that you desperately need. So the first question I felt like God was really asking me is, what can you do? Again, realizing that in some situations, what they're facing is what God is going to use to draw them to himself. And I think it's okay that we intervene. And sometimes in some situations there, because God can use our intervention as a way to say, hey, I hear you, and I'm, and I'm aware. I'm not distant. I'm not disconnected. I know what you're going through, and I hear you. So I've sent my servant to you to help you through this. Now, this is why, this is why it is so important that we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important that Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. This is why it's so important that we are led by his Spirit, because if you feel his Holy Spirit tell you, no, stop, don't do it, you need to stop, all right? 
because that means that God is working on something, that God is working on them, he's working in them, and that there's something going on that you may not be aware of that he's working out. And if you're going to stay in his will, you need to be led by his spirit, okay? So just use discernment with that. Use wisdom with that. If that person is a brother or sister in Christ, we bear one another's burdens. We help them. So God asked me the question, what can you do? Because sometimes when we get requests from people, we respond with praying for you because that's our easy out. I mean, let's just be honest. That's our easy out. It's easier for me to say I'm praying for you than it is for me to run the food line and buy a bag of groceries for you. So I'll just say, hey, man, I prayed for you. I hope God works this out. And I go on about my merry way, pat myself on the, on the back, and I'm good. But God asked me the question, what can you do? And I would challenge you guys with that same question. When you get requests that come across your, your phone or come across your Facebook feed or come across from a brother or sister in church, in your city home, this is what city homes are all about. We want to bear one another's burdens. So if you're doing prayer requests in your city home, hey, if someone throws out a request and you have the means to meet that need, meet it. Meet it. Don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them. Meet that need. What can you do? And the second question I really felt like God asked me in this as I was prepping for this was, how can you pray? How can you pray? Because remember, our prayers are in prayers intentional, and our prayers need to be strategic because they're purposeful and they have power, right? So how can you pray? And this is where knowing God's word comes in handy. If something comes across your sphere of influence. If you find out that someone's going through something and you want to intercede on their behalf, you want to, as part of your supplication, go to God and say, Lord, I'm here, but not for me. I'm here for this other person. Find out what God's word says about what they're facing and then pray those things. If they are in a marriage that's struggling, you can go to the book of Ephesians where he talks about a wife and a husband and, and, and how a wife should submit to their husband as to the Lord in all things and how a husband should love their wife the way that God or Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and pray that over them. First Peter uh, chapter three, I believe it is, talks about uh, that same kind of demeanor between a husband and a wife. And it talks about how when a husband uh, doesn't live with his wife in an understanding way, his own prayers are hindered. So maybe you should pray for that husband to live with their wife in an understanding way. And Peter also talks about how wives can win their husbands to the Lord by their peaceable and quiet spirit. So maybe that's what you need to pray. Instead of her being contentious, Lord, let her be peaceable and quiet and let him be one back to you and back to her by her own demeanor. You can pray those things specifically. When someone is struggling with their finances and you want to intercede on their behalf, first of all, you can pray. Proverbs talk about how uh, the, the one who borrows is in debt to the lender. So pray, Lord, that, that the Lord would give them um, the wisdom to not constantly borrow, the wisdom to not constantly be in, in debt to other people, and that the Lord would bless their finances, that he would make them a giver, Right? that he would make them a giver. Even using that prayer of Jabez, you can pray that over them like Pastor Brian taught us last week, understanding that God is going to work it out in his own will, that he's not just going to give to them because they want, but he's going to give them uh, blessings so that they can bless other people if their motives are right, if their heart is right with him, if their thoughts and their actions and their wants are in line with his, then God will intercede in that situation because of your prayers. And you can pray those things. But I want to again encourage you there, pray God's word, and pray specifically because the situation that they're facing may be what God is using to draw them to himself, right? And so pray over anything and everything, Lord, draw them to yourself, your will be done. Anytime we pray for people, that should be our primary prayer. Lord, draw them to yourself, let your will be done 
in their lives. Jesus said it in the Lord's Prayer. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The very next thing he said was, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So even before praying for your needs, he said to pray for God's will to be done. And that's how we should pray for other people. Even before praying for their needs, for their daily bread or whatever else they need, pray for God's will to be done in their life. When you intercede for people, pray God's will by praying his word. God's will is always the best thing that we could ever pray on someone else's behalf. So I want to encourage you, be a prayer warrior for someone else. And if you need somebody to pray for you, it's okay to go to someone and say, hey, I really need prayer about this situation. Will you intercede on my behalf? Not just throw up a quick, hey, God, look out for him kind of prayer, but will you strategically and purposefully intercede on my behalf? Will you pray on assignment for me? Will you seek God on my behalf and make intercession for me? Because I'm desperate and I may be too broken or too harassed or too helpless to pray for myself. Can you pray on my behalf? Church, let's be a church that prays for one another. Let's be a church that lifts one another up in prayer. And let's pray strategically. If you know someone that's going through something, pray strategically, be an intercessor for them. Um, And watch what God does in you and through you as you pray. And watch how God works in their life as you pray for them, for his glory. Can I pray for you, church? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your people. I'm thankful for Seven Cities Church, Lord, and I know that you have called us to be a church that prays, a church that seeks you, a church that longs for your heart, Father. And I know that as we're going through this series, learning about prayer, remind us that our battle, our wrestle is not with flesh and blood, but against spiritual authorities, rulers of wickedness in dark places, Father. And I pray that you would help us pray earnestly, that you would help us pray fervently, Father, that we would seek your face, that we would get on our face. And that we would seek your face, not just for ourselves, Lord, but for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for the the lost and the hurting Jesus. I pray that you would move us to compassion, not to pity, but that you would move us to compassion. And that compassion would cause us to act. And that act, that first act, would be that we get on our knees and that we pray, Lord, that we seek and ask for your will to be done in their lives. And Lord, I pray that if we get these requests, if we know of people facing things, Father, and there's something that we can do about it, Lord, then I pray that you would challenge us each and every day with that question, what can you do? What can you do? And that we would respond faithfully because you have blessed us, Lord. And so that that goes back to last week when Pastor Brian talked about the prayer of Jabez, Lord, bless us and expand our territory, not for us, but so we can be a blessing to other people, Father. So what can we do Lord, and then how can we pray? Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us the very words that we need to pray in each and every situation, Father, that you would give us wisdom and discernment, Lord. We would know the situations that you're using to draw people to yourself, and that we would pray strategically each and every time, Lord of the harvest, send laborers into that harvest field, Lord. Draw them to yourself, Jesus. You said if you be lifted up, you draw all men unto you. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, convict them of their sins, show them their need for a Savior, give them the faith to believe, Lord. And we would pray strategically over those people. And for our brothers and sisters in Christ, if they've walked away from you or if they're distant from you, Father, that we would pray strategically, Lord, bring them back home. Don't let them wander. Don't let them wander. Leave the 99 to go get the one, Father. And bring them back to yourself, Lord. Help us always pray with compassion and with an understanding that the primary thing of importance that people be in relationship with you. That supersedes everything else. Help that be first and foremost in our minds when we pray, Lord, that people be drawn to you, Lord, and use us to help them with the problems they face on a daily basis in your name. 
not in our own, not for our good, not for our benefit, not so we can post on social media and make ourselves look good, not even so we as a church can make our church look good, Father, but that we can point people to you, that we can guide people to life in Christ, that you be glorified in this situation. So help us be a church that serves. Help us be people that are generous for your glory and not our own, Father. I pray over this church, Father. I pray that you would use us, that you would equip us and empower us to go out into these seven cities, out into this community, to guide people to life in Christ. And that everything that we do would be done from a spirit of compassion, Jesus, like you were moved with compassion. Because we see the seven cities as harassed and helpless a sheep without a shepherd. So help us to pray, Lord of the harvest, send laborers into that harvest field. And God, use me. Use me. Lord, we love you. We praise you because you are worthy of all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I love you guys.